tonight on the Discovery Channel, they are debuting a six-episode series, Weed Country, and they originally had structured this as Weed Wednesdays, so they would have the Weed Country show and then Pod Cops, but now Pod Cops has been pushed back to April, but again, Weed Country, it is on tonight. And through the Discovery Channel website, they are billing the show as, of course, talking about marijuana, but specifically the Emerald Triangle in a remote wilderness tucked deep inside the border of California and Oregon, known as, again, the Emerald Triangle. Marijuana flourishes. Farmers in this area can earn millions in a single summer, but with that kind of reward comes huge risk. Growing marijuana here is a cutthroat business where only the best survive. And if you go to the discovery.com website, you can watch a trailer which will tease the show. It's a decades-old battle between cops, dealers, and growers using 21st century science to make the most powerful weed on earth. Arguably, I just committed a felony. This is the story about America at war with itself. Every time one of those plants falls, that's money that we don't get. It is a problem at epidemic proportions. Yeah, I'm breaking the law on TV. I've got to tug it off to our left. So what? This is weed country. We will never stop this. Ever. All right. Now, Nate Morris, he is someone involved with the show, and through his bio at the website, they refer to his sleepy blue eyes and his golly gee manner. They nearly betray his astonishing intelligence and steely determination. Nate started growing weed when he was 14 years old. Since then, he's developed some of the most potent marijuana on the planet and firmly believes in the medicinal value of marijuana, and he's on the phone now. Hi, Nate. Hi. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So who are you exactly? Are you a a serious marijuana grower? I'm just trying to figure out who's involved with the show and who they filmed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I'm certainly not a large marijuana grower. There, there are some of those on the show for sure. Um, I, I'm engaged in research. I'm, I'm trying to develop high CBD varietals, that's um, cannabidiol, which has anti-convulsive properties. So, so my role on the show is, is kind of the mad scientist researcher guy. But um, the show has dispensary owners, it has growers, it has activists, it has patients, and a whole lot of cops. And how did you get involved with this? Um, you know, I had done a few other random TV appearances talking about my research, and there's a pretty short list of people in this industry that are prepared to appear on TV. And when the Discovery Channel rolled up in the Emerald Triangle, I think all our phones rang at around the same time. Um, I, I actually was friends with some of the other people that are appearing on the show just because we've done activism and stuff together in the past. You know, it's a small community. Sure. And the uh, show itself, have you seen a final cut of what to uh, what to expect? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm pretty happy with it. It's um, When I first got involved, I was, I was actually, I turned down the opportunity a few times because I saw some of the other um, people on the show behaving kind of badly, and I was concerned that it would reflect poorly on the industry. Um, I kind of came to the conclusion that in order for the show to be credible, it needed to show the bad behavior because if we're going to be honest, there are people behaving poorly in this industry. And in order to credibly portray the good sides and the real medicinal properties of the plant, it needed to be fair. So when you say the bad behavior, what what does that mean to you? Well, 
I just, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, but there's definitely people who are motivated entirely by greed and ego, you know, actively, you know, engaged in the industry, and they show that they they show they show all sides of it, and I it would be when I first started, I wanted it to be like a documentary about pop, but I realized that the only people that are going to watch that are people that are already on my side. And in order to win over the undecideds and the people that don't care much about the issue, it needed it needs to go prime time. It needs it needs to be in the living room of Middle America. So, what was it like being followed by these cameras? Or you just explained to me the whole process itself. How uh, long did it take? It was and... Super creepy. Okay. Yeah, everywhere you drive, there's like a dude in the car with a camera, and cameras stuck to the roof of the car. You go talk to your friends, and there's cameras there. And yeah, super weird. And how long did the whole show take to film? Um, about six months, I guess. We filmed almost an entire season. Oh, I they they worked on it for about a year beforehand, developing the whole thing. And I was a consultant on that part of it, and then they started filming. And I'm just sort of curious about the whole world of reality TV, and of course, each show is different, and the production companies offer, I'm sure, compensation to certain people. But were you paid for this? I'm sorry? Were you paid for this, or was there a salary involved? And that's mainly just out of um, sheer curiosity. I, I'm, not try, I'm not trying to um, be difficult. I'm actually forbidden to talk about any of the stuff related to that. They, um, they promised to sue me if I talk about that. So really? I'm going to have to um, plead the fifth on that. Okay. But, um, I'll tell you, I'm not a fan of reality TV. I don't watch reality TV. I don't... The my What I came to realize here, though, is reality TV is actually a kind of fabulous opportunity for activism if it's reality TV about activists. And it was, they basically offered me the, a platform where they would follow me around anywhere I wanted to go and I could tell whatever story I wanted to tell. And that, for an activist, it doesn't get better than that. You know, I'll, like, I'll show up to rallies with a stupid sign that says legalize the plant. And then, you know, hopefully a few people will notice that. And then all of a sudden, you know, national television crew wants to hear what I have to say, and I can introduce them to patients who are genuinely benefiting from the medicine. It is, you know, from activism perspective, you can't beat it. And the uh, show itself, I, uh, I'd, I'd contacted a few people that know other people in the in the marijuana world just because, oh, one of the camera uh, people came by here and I said I'd try to put him in touch with someone to see if he could get involved with a, a grow somewhere. And the person just said, oh, please, why on earth would uh, the people that I know want to do that? And I said, I have no idea. I said I'd make the phone call. But have you received any feedback from people who were involved in the industry who were, uh, I guess, questioning your motive? Or what has the reaction been to those who you know that grow marijuana? Um, it's mixed. It's, um, I, I certainly sympathize with people who would prefer if nothing were to change. And there's a, there's a, you know, there's a fear in the Emerald Triangle that marijuana is going to be legalized and the economy is going to be destroyed. And I share that fear along with everyone else. Um, I. I I very much want it to be legalized, but I want it to be done in a way that benefits our local economy, not not hurt it. And I think it's important to remember that marijuana is going to be legalized whether or not we brace for that. And, it, you know, it's the, a reality show isn't going to legalize weed. A reality show might have the potential to channel how it happens and do it in a way that is able to sustain this economy. But... 
you know, people are afraid. People don't like change. People are, you know, are used to this being a very secretive industry, and that that's just not going to last. And yeah. That's kind of how I see it. So in that trailer that I watched through the website, there is uh, someone who says that they're <clears throat> committing a crime on national TV. And I'm, I'm perplexed by that. Why on earth would somebody who's uh, breaking the law go on TV and then not expect something to happen? Or are there laws being broken in the show? I'm just trying to understand what actually happens in the series. Oh, yeah. We're, we're all wandering around merrily committing felonies all of season long. Really? It's, um, yeah, I think... I think a combination of poor judgments and good intentions, uh, I think, if you want a good explanation. It's, I, I'm not sure that's ever happened on TV where people just kind of boldly committed crimes. Um, so it's kind of a new a new thing for reality TV. But, I mean, that's the deal with this industry. You know, we're, even if you're a legitimate medical patient or a primary caregiver, you're still in violation of federal law. And if you want to be open and public with what you're doing, you're literally committing felonies on television. So, but what would, what would motivate someone to be on that show, uh, even beyond yourself? Why would you go on TV to say, hey, look at me, I'm a marijuana grower? It just seems like unwanted attention to me. Yeah, no, it's, um, I mean, I, I can't speak for other people's motives. Um, I think some of the people on the show might get in quite a bit of trouble for what they did. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure why you would go on TV and behave really poorly. Um, I'll tell you, with my motivations, I'm raising awareness about medicinal properties of the plant. There's I, my my role on the show is helping children with special needs um, alleviate their seizures, and there's literally hundreds of thousands of children in America that have treatment-resistant epilepsy, and many of them could die if they don't learn about cannabidiol. And, I, I really feel passionately that it's a responsibility of anyone who's aware of the healing properties of this plant to spread the word. What would the world look like in uh, your mind if marijuana became legal? Uh, because, of course, the uh, compensation would, would collapse. I would think that the, the, the price would drop substantially, and the people who benefit from it now would not really have this huge windfall that they, they receive. So what, in your mind, is, is the best-case scenario? Okay, um, let me paint two pictures. The, if the Emerald Triangle continues to bury its head in the sand and rejects the changing environment, then Monsanto and Big Tobacco are just going to roll in and destroy everybody, and it's going to be awful. Um, and that's a real concern. I, I would say better than 50% chance of that happens. Now, having said that, if we just pull our head out of the sand and understand that this is about to change and we need to adapt... Humboldt could be an incredible tourist draw. It's, it's world famous. The Central California, has, you know, pools its resources and advertises itself as a wine region. And Northern California needs to do that with cannabis. There's no inherent reason why the people who are currently growing can't continue to benefit from that. Now, they're not going to fill the same niche market as big tobacco. You know, they're never going to be the Budweiser but they can absolutely produce connoisseur medicine. The, the branding that's already developed underground um, around Humboldt could serve us very well decades into the future. I mean, if you look, if you think about like right now, when people go, you know, to party, 
they, they go to places like Florida and Tijuana and Vegas and they get alcohol poisoning and it's, it's a mess. If there was like a safe, beautiful wilderness where people could come and enjoy medical cannabis without fears of, you know, negative health repercussions or, you know, in Mexico, things can go real bad if you go down there. And I just, I feel like the Emerald Triangle is a beautiful place that could do really well from legalization if it just played its cards right. And through the Discovery website, they say that uh, you have developed some of the most potent marijuana on the planet. Is that true? Um, no. I mean, what, what I think is much more accurate is to say that I've stood on the shoulders of giants. I, the, I, have, I have friends who have developed some of the most potent medical cannabis on Earth, and then I crossbred some of those varietals. So I guess technically, yes, I have developed some of the most potent medical cannabis on earth but only because people have been working on this for decades and i just you know picked up right where they left off and just because i'm fairly far removed from the marijuana world what is the most potent strain as far as you're concerned or the name of it or what would you recommend so here's here's where it gets a little more complicated there's a variety of chemicals within the plant and typically when we talk about potent what we mean is most thc and there, there's a few varietals that are approaching 30% THC. So anything between 25 and 30 gets, is in the category of most potent. However, the focus of my research is CBD, cannabidiol, which doesn't get you high. And so what I'm focused on is producing medical cannabis that has high ratios of CBD in relation to THC. So, for instance, if... If a plant has 20% CBD and only 2% THC, then that's a 10 to 1 ratio. And for, you know, a child with epilepsy, that means they can get, you know, a, a full dose of CBD without getting very much THC so they don't get high. And the CBD actually counteracts the effects of the THC, so it, it cancels itself out. But the... That's a different definition of potent than most people typically consider. You know, most people think about it in terms of how high they get, not how few seizures they have. And do you smoke marijuana quite often or at all? Yes. You do? Yes. Okay. Big fan of the plant. You are? Okay. Are you high right now, or I'm just trying to figure out? <laughs> no, I've got a series of TV interviews today, so I'm going to refrain. Okay. But, um, I'll be high tonight when the show airs, I promise. And. This is another thing that has always puzzled me a bit. When uh, the people involved with the medical marijuana world are trying to legitimize, uh, oh, the the whole the whole field, but yet they choose these names that uh, sort of just seem kind of street level, like blueberry train wreck totally. or something like that. Why why is that? I I used to really I used to object to the names a lot more, and now I've kind of warmed to the counterculture nature of them. The if you're if you're trying to present the plant as, for its medical properties, calling it train wreck is a terrible idea. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, if you're, yes. you're going to be honest that people are smoking it to get high, then calling it train wreck is kind of funny. And I think one of the big problems that we've had as an industry is because we've relied on the medical defense in order to keep ourselves out of jail, it's become a little disingenuous. And people kind of roll their eyes when you talk about medical cannabis because they're so used to hearing about people lying about being sick. 
And so I really think that the, these paths need to diverge, and there needs to be varietals that have been specifically bred for their medical properties that get names that resemble the, the names of, you know, typical pharmaceuticals. And I think that's different from something like Trainwreck, which is, a, you know, a perfectly good name for, a, you know, a type of liquor or a type of beer or a type of weed. It's just not, it just doesn't say medicinal. And you live here in Humboldt County? Yes. Okay. So uh, as the show continues and uh, perhaps people watch it and there's feedback, could you come down to the station one day and talk to us? I'd love to. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Nate. Good luck, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks very much. Cheers. You're welcome. That is uh, Nate Morris. You can watch him tonight on Discovery. The show airs tonight at 10 o'clock. It is called... Weed Country, and there's a link to the KSLG.com website to watch the trailer.